This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. Welcome to this edition of How We See It. I'm John Morris. In part one of our program today, we'll meet Autumn Thibodeau, who's coming into full communion with the Catholic Church this weekend. We'll share her inspirational faith journey and how she got here. Then, Deacon Mike Sweeney talks with author of a new children's book on the Eucharist. But first, here's my conversation with Autumn Thibodeau. So, Autumn, how long have you been here in the Tampa Bay area? So, I've been in Tampa for about two years now. So, how'd you find Christ the King? Well, I found Christ the King through a friend, actually. She started going, and she invited me, and I went to the service, and I loved it, and I've been going there ever since. Did you have a faith background before? Had you been to church before? I did. So I actually grew up Protestant. Yeah, I went to a Protestant church. It was Church of God, and then we switched to non-denomination, but I was very against the Catholic Church. (laughs) Why? So, you know, I think it's because my dad grew up Catholic and, you know, in New Orleans, and he left the Catholic Church, you know, because of some corruption, And so I just grew up, you know, him telling us, like, you know, no, they're not real Christians and, you know, it's ritualistic and there's, you know, the faith is dead, you know. And so that's really um, was my view that the Catholic Church was, you know, they were worshiping idols, that they weren't real Christians. Um, They didn't have a real relationship with Jesus. So it was until I started dating a, a Catholic guy, he was a great guy. He was very devout Catholic. That was really my first exposure to the Catholic faith, but I was against it. I was so against it. Were you nervous when you started dating this gentleman to say, he's Catholic, I don't know about this? (laughs) Yes, I was. I was nervous. You know, we got along really well and, you know, ended up falling in love. But still, I was very against the Catholicism. I was actually trying to get him to come to the Protestant side. I worked, you know, that was my mission to get him, uh, you know, save him, help him. So what did you discover in the Catholic Church that maybe turned that uh, disbelief around? We actually, you know, I I thought we were going to get married. I was so sure about this, but uh, that didn't end up happening. And we ended up breaking up and it, you know, devastated me. I just remember you know, just thinking, okay, what can be so great about this faith that, you know, it's, you're willing to break up this relationship. And I remember in my room, just, you know, devastated crying to God, you know, please help me. And I just, these walls had just knocked down, you know, I felt I had all these walls up and they were just shattered. And I felt like I was like, okay, I I don't, I, I was so sure about everything. Now I don't know where, where to go. And he just held me. It, it was the first time I felt Jesus's love just shattered me. It, it overpowered me and he held me. And I, it was almost to the point where it was overwhelming, um, this love that he was showering me with. And I just had this sense of peace of, you know, everything is going to be okay. I, I've got you and I've got a purpose for you. You know, I just remember talking to him and, you know, saying this, this hurts, you know, this rejection, it hurts. And he spoke to me and he was just like, I know, Autumn, you know, I was rejected too. And and it just broke me, but in a good way. And so from there, 
I just went on a journey. I was like, that is my mission now, to discover the Catholic Church with or without this person. Really, God was calling me to uh, discover this. Was this in Gainesville when all this went down, or was that, did that partly happen down here? It was here, yeah. Okay. It was here. So when you say you, you came with a friend to Christ the King, was this... No, no, this was actually after we broke up and I came with a friend. She actually works with me and she was attending. Um, She actually just got confirmed as well. uh, I came with her and I was I was searching for other churches, but I, you know, ended up finding this one. But I, you know, watched everything unformed. (laughs) You know, I read Scott Hahn, you know, Dave Pavanka, um, you know, Steubenville was, you know, watching all their videos. And it's just amazing what I've learned. Mary being the new Ark of the Covenant, you know, they're not worshiping Mary, you know, these penances that I don't have to do them, I get to do them. And just all these beautiful things that I discovered about the Catholic Church that I was wrong about. That's a great point that you made and so much richness there of what you're talking about. But when you say I get to do those penances, Mm -hmm. because I think people sometimes look at going to church as chore, Mm -hmm. an obligation. But when you're fresh to the faith, you want to go, and you want to go even more yeah. Uh, because you have such a great appreciation for maybe what you didn't have in yes. that first section of your life, yeah. and now you're in part two of it, and now you're coming into the Catholic faith yeah. uh, this Easter. How have your parents reacted? Oh, that's a good question. My dad is, he's, I, I, I would say, worried. Um, he was worried, you know, pray about this, you know, make sure you're sure. I, I don't know about this. My mom, on the other hand, I don't know if she necessarily agrees with it, but she is supportive, and so is my dad. They, they are supportive, and they've noticed a change in me. You know, kind of going back, I fell out of the church for a long time, you know, did a lot of things I wasn't proud of, you know, I'm not proud of. And so there has been just a total conversion of my heart and this desire, you know, after doing these hours and hours, you know, hundreds of hours of research into the Catholic faith and realizing this is the truth, you know, not saying the Protestant isn't, you know, but it's not the full, you know, because I continued to go to a Protestant church even after, you know, doing all my, you know, investigation into the Catholic faith. But I felt like something was missing. Uh, And I was like, you know, I don't think this is, you know, where I I need to be. I was really called. And so when I found Christ the King, I I don't know, it was like immediate. I was emotional um, and and I'm emotional at every mass now, which I can't believe because I was always so like, what what are you guys doing? This is ridiculous. But, you know, you find it in the Bible. At some point, you went from attending mass to saying, Mm -hmm. I really want to be a part of this because I can't receive communion and Mm -hmm. I want the fullness of this. Yes. Do you remember that point where you said, okay, now it's time to make the commitment? Did you talk to anybody? I did. My spiritual director, um, she's actually also a coworker. I was, you know, speaking with her because she was helping me through that faith. She's Catholic as well, asking these hard questions of, well, you know, you need to agree and believe in everything. But Really, I think it's when I started going, my first day of attending Christ the King, it was like God spoke to me and and just met me and said, you know, I I want you to join this church, (laughs) really. And that, I think, was the moment I said, okay, uh, how do I how do I be a part of this? How do I take communion? And that was that was my um, you know greatest desire, you know, the Eucharist. I was um, really longing to to be a part of that. How was, and I hear this from a lot of people who were coming into the church. In fact, we got a letter the other day from the, a gentleman coming in also this Easter at another parish. 
And he's like, pray for me. I have my first confession and reconciliation coming up this week. Mm-hmm. How was that for you? Was it emotional? Was it nerve wracking? Yeah. Was it a, a load off? Was it yeah. all of that? Yes, I actually uh, just went to confession th- this morning. It was my first time ever, and it was emotional. I, you know, the night before I was doing an examination of conscience, and I ended up writing all of my sins on a, you know, a whole piece of paper filled up, and I was like, I know there's more, but you know, that's all I can think of. And just after, re- you know, reading that to someone, saying this out loud, you know, these are my deepest, darkest secrets. You know, the things that I'm so ashamed of. You know. That I, that I hurt God in this way. You know, Father Andrew, he was so loving. I mean, he was so prayerful and just, you know, non-judgmental. And I felt, you know, it was emotional. I felt a load off, but also I couldn't stop smiling. I, I was so happy of just the, again, that I get to do this, that God, you know, has this available to me so that I can meet with community. And it's another thing I've learned with the Catholic Church, you know, it's all about community, which I love with the saints and everything. It was it was an amazing experience because uh, I hadn't done anything like that before. You know, my Protestant background. So I, I felt relieved and joyful afterwards. Think about what you hope to be feeling when you are attending on the Easter vigil and the, the priest will come up and put mm-hmm. <laughs> oil on your forehead. And what do you think is going to be going through your mind? Hmm. Well, I, I think relieved is a word that that comes to mind of finally, but also I know joyful of, you know, the more I get to know Christ and it's just unimaginable, this love that he has for me and for all of us, but just this feeling of meeting Christ, you know, at the altar and being accepted, you know, and welcomed into the Catholic faith. Joy and relief, I think, are the words um, that come to my mind um, emotional, I, I know I'm going to be because it's funny. I, I, I'm emotional at every mass, but it's just so incredible to me that I'm like, Jesus, you're right here giving yourself to us every Sunday. Uh, how is your RCIA process going through starting in mm-hmm. like August, September through up till now? Yes. Yeah, so I actually just started going to the faith or the adult confirmation because I had met with another uh, priest before, kind of a spiritual director, mm-hmm. and he put me on an RCIA path. Essentially, he gave me about 60 videos to watch, which was uh, part of RCIA. And so I'd, I'd actually already done all of that prior to mm-hmm. doing uh, adult confirmation. So a lot of it was just me in my living room by myself. But it's just funny. I I couldn't wait to get home every day from work, you know, to go to the next video. I was just so hungry to to learn more. And what I discovered was was amazing. Have you made any friends or acquaintances with the adult group at all? Or do you hope to get more involved in the church? Yes, that is a great question. I uh, I, I would say a few I have. Yes, a few. um, But I that is a great desire of mine to uh, start getting involved. I actually feel like I work too much. <laughs> and so I'm trying to kind of tone that down a little bit so I can uh, be more involved, and, you know, because God has really put in my heart for leadership and, and fellowship and serving within the church and the community. So, yes, I, I absolutely hope to um, meet new people. What would you say to someone who maybe is at your workplace or somebody that you encounter out in the community and they say, yeah, I don't know about that Catholic church. <laughs> You've been in those shoes. Yes. What do you tell them? 
Okay, so you know, not just because it you know it looks ritualistic, there is deeper meaning behind it. You know, when I met true faithful Catholics and just their love for the faith and their love for Jesus, you know, that you know, once those walls came down, because that was another thing. I, I had walls I, I didn't want to listen. Just do your research, I would say. Uh, you know, go on to formed.org, you know, watch the, you know, what is it, the search. Uh, they have a series of videos really explaining what Catholics are all about, what the faith is all about, that it is biblical, you know, because that was always my perception is this, you can't find this in the Bible and, you know, you're worshiping. This is false idols. And no, that, that's not what it's about. It's actually so much more, but it's so fulfilling. Once you really get to understand what God is offering, you know, it's it's amazing. Uh, and, and I can't ever go back, <laughs> you know. I, I wake up every morning with just this joy. Uh, you know, it's, it's like it's my wedding day every morning or something. And, you know, I, I'm like, I shouldn't be feeling this. Yeah, but it, it's, um, you know, God is so good. He's so faithful. You know, he will meet you where you are, you know, and you just ask him. Just ask him and he's he'll be there. Autumn, I want to thank you for opening your heart yes. uh, because it takes a lot of courage to come in here and express your faith mm-hmm. in the way that you did. So I, I wish you all the best uh, on that Easter Vigil night and well beyond. Thanks for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much. In our next segment, Deacon Mike Sweeney talks with an author of a new children's book about the Eucharist. Stay tuned. You're listening to How We See It, a look at issues and ministries that are having an impact in our community and world. If you missed any of today's program, you'll find a copy on Spirit FM's SoundCloud page. There's a link to it at myspiritfm.com. Now, back to our program. This is How We See It. I'm Deacon Mike Sweeney, and our guest today is Gracie Jagla, an author of a children's book called Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass. Now, Gracie, first of all, welcome. I'm glad to talk with you today. There's a lack of belief in the Holy Eucharist, even among Catholics, That's disappointing to me as a deacon because the source and summit of our faith is the Holy Eucharist. So how does your book help with that issue? To start off with, Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass is a walk through a Catholic Mass, but it's told from a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly. So there are a lot of books about what's literally happening, what's before our eyes. But there are so many just miracles and gifts and blessings that are happening behind the scenes at every Mass that we might not even realize. There's a veil between heaven and earth. We're so close to heaven, and there's so much going on that doesn't just meet the eye. The book is Jesus taking two little children and basically showing, if you saw a Mass from my eyes, this is what it would be like. And he's walking them through each part of the Mass and helping bring them to a better understanding. So when you talk about how people, even Catholics, are not believing in the Eucharist, I mean, there's no more important thing to believe in and more beautiful thing to believe in about our faith than the Eucharist, because it's the greatest gift of all. It's the source and summit for a reason. It's because it's Jesus coming to us so intimately. A few reasons that people struggle to believe in the Eucharist is, number one, they might not ever have been taught. They might just not understand. And the other reason is because it's just so hidden. And it is a miracle, and it's truly happening, and it's real, but so much of it is hidden from our vision, and it's always difficult to believe in things that we can't see. So this book is a perfect entryway into learning about the Eucharist, because for those who don't really understand or who were never fully catechized in the real presence, 
It walks them through what it means to believe in the Eucharist in a very simple way, but profound and true way. And then for those who are struggling with the fact that it's hidden, this book is perfect as well, because even in the illustrations, it takes people so gently through all of the things that they're missing in hopes that you would be able to walk into a Catholic Mass after reading this book and visualize things differently and see things differently as a result. As a deacon, I'm able to baptize lots of babies, and I love it. I think I surprise people because at baptisms, my homily is less about baptizing and more about the Holy Eucharist because people of all ages need to know that it's not just a symbol. It truly is the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. It's so amazing that here's this great miracle that comes down to earth, and Jesus is so excited at every Mass to have this closeness to us. And how sad when we don't meet Him there, when we don't run to Him there, when He's just waiting, waiting for us to come to Him. So there are a lot of good books about the Mass out now. There are a lot of good holy priests and deacons like yourself who are homilizing about things like this, and just the better we can bring people to an understanding of the gift that it is the more people will come to see Jesus and the happier it will make him, the better it will make all of us as well. Gracie, can you tell us why is your book different from, say, a second grade religious education book? First of all, it's a story. So it's a children's book. It's told in rhyme. It's very personal. It's very story driven. And it has these beautiful illustrations that go along with it. A textbook is wonderful for imparting the truths and the content of the faith. This book is similar to a textbook in the way that it really does contain a lot of the truths and teachings of the Eucharist. It's not dumbed down. It's not fluff. It's not kind of empty of content. It really gets at the heart of a lot of things that we believe, but it does it in a way that's a little more accessible than a textbook. It's told from the voice of Jesus himself. I tried to write it a few different ways, and I tried to write it more objectively or more factually, but it only ever sounded right to me when I started using the perspective of Jesus himself. I think because the Eucharist itself is so personal and so intimate that it only made sense for the book to try to be a reflection of that and to really bring children to a point where they would finish reading and think, I want to be closer to Jesus. I want to be friends with him like that. Will this book help parents understand the Eucharist more, and how will it help parents teach their children about the Eucharist? My grandpa is a deacon like yourself. He's been a deacon for years and years, and he's a big fan of saying this book is just as much for children as it is for adults, because like I said, it's not fluff. It has a way of approaching children at a young age, but there are layers of meaning and depth that go beyond that. So if you're reading it as a child, you'll understand it and it will sound fun and engaging. But if you're reading it as a parent, you might see things that you didn't know before. The book comes at a bunch of different aspects that parents might not know of, one of them being the representation of the Eucharist and how it's the whole Paschal mystery all wrapped up in one. So a line from the book is, Events from my life, from my passion to glory, are here represented. You are part of my story. And there's this beautiful illustration that the artist did of the children at Jesus' passion, helping him carry his cross, and then at Jesus' death, holding Mary as she is suffering, and then at Jesus' resurrection, standing right outside the tomb with him with their arms outstretched as his arms are outstretched. So even in that one illustration is such a profound mystery of how we're experiencing the passion, death, and resurrection. And parents might not have ever thought about it or understood that they could talk to children about it until it's presented in a simple way, like in a children's book. 
I think people don't realize that when we participate in a mass, we're not participating in something 2,000 years after the passion and death. We're participating in the passion and death. Absolutely. It's difficult to understand kind of the continuum of time. And you picture it as happening years ago, but it's happening all over again. Another line of the book is, as this moment so great, you're burst out of time into heaven's realm when the altar bells chime. So you're a part of it right now. Heaven is happening right now. Everything is happening right now. And I think that's a beautiful thing for children and parents to understand because it just makes it seem more relevant to us. He didn't just come for people 2,000 years ago. This isn't just a celebration that they were doing 2,000 years ago. This is meant for us in this time and to give us all the graces that we need to live in this world today. We're talking with Gracie Jagla, an author of Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass. What other books have you written? I've written two other children's books. So the first one I wrote is God the Father and the Best Day Ever, which is actually an Easter story if anyone still needs things for Easter baskets coming up. And it tells the story of the resurrection from God the Father's perspective. So we often hear about what the day looked like on earth and how the apostles were running to the tomb. But this is up in heaven, how happy was God to finally be able to open those gifts. And this heaven that had been empty is now filling up with people, all the children that he loves. And then my second book is called The Night the Saint Saved Christmas. It's kind of a fun fictional story about the saints teaming up to help St. Nick deliver gifts on Christmas Eve. And they're doing it in ways like they did on Earth. So John Paul II, who was a big skier, he's in the slope skiing around to children. Joan of Arc is on horseback tossing gifts through windows. And then at the end of the night, all of the saints end up at the manger to worship baby Jesus. And then I have a book coming out next year on the Holy Spirit. So it's a joy to be able to write them. You sound passionate about the Catholic faith. Can you tell us when did you fall in love with your faith? I have really wonderful parents. And from the very, very beginning, it's just been central to our faith and our family life. But I think there are points where it became more personal to me. My first communion was one of those days, which is why I love getting to have a book on the Eucharist. And then I got to go on later and attend Franciscan University of Steubenville, which is just the most wonderful Catholic school. And that's really when I got to take a step away from it being my family's faith, and it became more of my own. Did you always believe in the presence of the Eucharist? I did. And I think that's once again, because my parents believed in it so much. And so in the way that they spoke about it, there was just never a doubt. There was never a confusion in my mind because they were so sure and I believe in them. And because I believe in the words that Jesus said about it so directly in the Bible. However, I think like most people, I don't always experience the Eucharist to the fullness every time. I don't always feel all of the glories and amazing radiance of the Eucharist. There are moments in my life that have really struck me especially deeply that this real presence is here. So like I mentioned before, my first communion, I just felt so strongly in that moment that Jesus' arms were around me and he was so close to me. You know, a few specific moments stick out in my adult life. And I think that's probably the same way for everyone. We have these moments where Jesus kind of pulls back the veil a little bit and allows us to have that glimpse of heaven and that glimpse of the glory. And then we hold on to those moments and let them take us through all the other times where we might feel distracted in Mass or might not feel very much at all. I mentioned before how in baptisms I talk about the Eucharist, and one of the things I say to parents is you can't receive the Eucharist when you bring your kids to a soccer field on Sundays. You have to go to Mass. So what do you say to parents who don't want to bring their children to Mass? Well, first of all, I would say 
I understand the difficulty of bringing children to Mass. I have a two-year-old and a one-year-old, so I can certainly, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to sit in those pews, and they don't want to be there, and they're kicking and screaming, and you feel like, should I even have done this? But I would say to those people, it is worth it every time. Always bring your children to Jesus in the Mass. There's no greater gift that you can give to your children. Every time there's something good in our lives, we want to share it with people that we love. We want to bring them closer to it. And if someone told me that John Paul II was, by some miracle, going to be going down my street in the Pope Mobile and kissing babies this afternoon, would I bring my children? Absolutely. Just without a question, I would want them to be close to someone so good and holy. I would never leave them behind. I wouldn't worry about how they would act or anything. I would bring them. If some miracle you could see Our Lady on Earth and see an apparition of her, everyone in the world would be there and bringing their children. They would want them to be close. This is even better than all of that. It's Jesus coming. And I know it's hidden, and I know it's difficult to sit in Mass with children, but I think you will never regret it, and He will be more happy than anyone to have those little children sitting there and to get to be close to them. There is no better sound in a Mass than a crying baby or a crying child. And I know that sounds really bad. (laughs) The fact that we're hearing those precious little voices in the pews is the best sound in the world. I think it's good for parents to hear that, your perspective, because when you're the parent, you don't always think it's that pleasing a sound to everyone, and you're worried about what people are thinking. And some people might be judging, but not everybody. And most people are just happy to see the church alive with children. And I think if you want your children to go to Mass in adulthood, you have to take them when they're little. They have to learn when they're little. It's like any skill that you learn and might not be good at at first and are awkward at learning it, but you have to go through the difficulty of it for them to be able to learn how to master it. I've been able to see that in beautiful ways with my two-year-old and one-year-old. Every Mass, they get a little bit better, and every Mass, they're a little bit more comfortable with it to the point that they won't ever be able to remember it being difficult. It will be just something that they've always known and loved. How have you educated yourself on the faith over the years? So for me personally, one of the best things I ever did was went to a really wonderful, faithful Catholic university, Franciscan of Steubenville. That was so formative to me and my faith because it infiltrates everything around you. It's in the people you meet and the classes that you take and the culture around you. So just the more you can submerse yourself in a Catholic environment, that's going to be such a gift. For me, it's also been easy to learn about the faith because I married an ex-seminarian. He was well out of seminary by the time I met him. But being able to marry someone who's so filled with faith, who loves it so much, who has studied it so well, I just learn from him all the time. And the books that we read, the books that we bring into our homes can be so helpful in that. The other thing that's helped my faith in the recent years is I've been a mom with very young ones, and I haven't been able to read a whole lot or get into Scripture in a very deep way, has been reading other Catholic children's books. So the more I write Catholic children's books, the more I want to read them. And it might seem silly for adults to read Catholic children's books, but I think there are so many good books coming out today for little ones that are taking on subjects of the faith in a very simple but a very profound way. And so if you're at least speaking to parents who are looking to learn more about their faith, go find beautiful Catholic children's books because you will learn so much more than you realize about the saints and how to be contemplative and everything you could ever imagine in a very accessible and simple way. We're talking with Gracie Jagla. Gracie, can I ask you some rapid-fire questions? I would love it. Here we go. What's your favorite book of the Bible? I would say the Gospel of John. I just love all the stories. I love how personal and beautiful it is. Very Eucharistic-themed, too. How about your favorite saint? 
My favorite scene is St. Maximilian Colby, and I think it's just because I've read more books about him than anyone else. I feel like whatever saint I would read the most about would be the one that I would love. The more you know about someone, the more you love them. If you could have a supernatural power that a saint has displayed, which one would you take? I would choose by location, two places at once, because as a mom with soon to be three kids under three, I think that would come in handy. I tried to bilocate one time and I was really concentrating on it and I just ended up with a splitting headache, so it's not for me. <laughs> What's your favorite hymn? Oh God, Beyond All Praising. Have you ever experienced something supernatural or a miracle? I think I've experienced several. Some of them are so beautiful. I don't even know how to share them. But I know that when we were expecting our second daughter, they told us at the ultrasound in no uncertain terms that she had major abnormalities on her heart and her brain. And she almost certainly had Down syndrome or something more severe. And they didn't know what was going to happen to her. And it was the hardest time of my whole life. But my husband was just so strong and loving this baby from the very beginning, but also trusting that God could heal them if he really wanted to. And right before we went into our specialist appointment, he prayed over the baby. And then he said, I think this is the moment where we go in and they tell us everything is going to be okay. And we walked into this appointment and they said they did not see defects on her heart or brain. And my Sophia Therese is perfectly healthiest little baby you ever did see. So I'm living with a little miracle. That is beautiful. Gracie, tell us, where can we get your books? It's available on Amazon. It's probably the most accessible way. It's also available on Our Sunday Visitor. That's the publishing house. And if you visit my Instagram at and a sprinkle of grace or my website, graciejagla.com, you can find it there as well. Our guest today on How We See It has been Gracie Jagla. Thanks, Gracie, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blessing. Thanks for listening to today's program. This presentation and others like it are made possible by supporters like you. If you'd like a copy of today's program, make comments or suggestions, and to help us keep this important programming on the air, visit myspiritfm.com slash how we see it.